welcome to Entrepreneur Conundrum with Virginia Purnell, where growing entrepreneurs share how they get visible online. Hi, everyone. Today, I'm talking with Julie Broad about how she helps others write books while keeping marketing in mind. Julie is the founder of self-publishing services firm Book Launchers and Amazon overall number one best-selling author, knows what it takes to successfully self-publish a book. Julie's titles include More Than Cashflow, which topped Amazon, The Brand New You, and her latest book, Self-Publish and Succeed. An expert on writing a book with marketing in mind, Julie teaches authors how to write a hashtag non-boring book on her popular YouTube channel, booklaunchers.tv. Her advice for authors and investors has also been featured in Forbes, Entrepreneur.com, Yahoo Business, CTV, The Sun, The Toronto Sun, and Medium.com. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited that you're here today. Yeah, me too. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a perfect place for us to talk about book marketing and, and writing books for marketing purposes. Right? How true. So you seem to kind of been able to figure all of this out. <laughs> by by this being books and marketing. <laughs> yeah, as like number one sellers and self-publishing. Yeah, I mean, one of the things, you know, like a really short story, but when I, when my first book idea kind of came around, it was publishers approaching me, but they didn't like my book idea. And Wiley kind of wanted to work with me, but then uh, after a three-month proposal period where we created a proposal together, they ended up telling me that they didn't think I had a strong enough platform to sell books. Like they didn't think I was going to be able to sell enough books for them to give me a deal. So they kind of forced me into self-publishing, but it was really a great gift because what they did was they completely removed my ego from this because first they told me my idea wasn't good, and then they told me I couldn't sell books. So, (laughs) So I was left there going, well, you know what? I still believe that there's a book that needs to be written. And this was a real estate book at the time. And I still believe there needed to be a book, uh, this book needed to be written. But they also put me in a position where I was like, oh my goodness, I have to learn everything there is to know. And you know what, Wiley, I'll do this better than if you had given me a book deal. So it threw me into self-publishing, but it also really put marketing at the front of my brain because they had really rejected me on the basis that I couldn't sell books. So I went into the whole book publishing process thinking about how am I actually going to sell this book? And a lot of people, when they self-publish in particular, they write the book and then figure out marketing. And even if the book is good, if you haven't layered in a lot of things that you have to do to make a book marketable, you set yourself up for a pretty big chance of not selling very many copies. So it was really a gift because I was thinking, thinking about marketing from the moment I started writing the book and my ego wasn't driving my decisions because they had crushed it. (laughs) (laughs) So do you think they would put you in a position where you're like, wow, I really need to go with them? No, because they didn't give me a deal. Like they, in the end, they rejected me. So they weren't, it wasn't any sort of reverse psychology. It was just them looking at the numbers because a lot of people have this misconception that traditional publishers are going to give you a book deal. If you have a great book idea, they really don't even care about the book idea. All they care about, I mean, they do, but they are more focused on your audience and who's going to buy the book. So if you don't have an email newsletter list of a hundred thousand social media followers in the millions, they're not really that interested in you unless it's a very niche publisher who focuses on a very niche subject. So now that you have, let's say, made it through self-publishing, do you have a lot more publishers that approach you 
to do your next book with? I mean, after the first one did so well, because it did go to number one on Amazon, you know, had a Dan Brown and had a Game of Thrones and, you know, sold thousands and thousands of copies in a very short period of time. Yes, there was some publisher interest. But at that point, I, you know, I have zero interest. And that's why I started Book Launchers, which is, a, you know, a self-publishing services firm, because I realized that this was the greatest gift I could have been given. I owned all my rights. I got you know, I made, I've done the math on it a few times. And in that year after I made more, I think roughly $86,000, I think was what it was in book sales only. And if I had gotten that book deal with Wiley, it would have been less than $10,000. So the dramatic difference in what I made alone, but the big thing for me was that I owned my rights. And a lot of my friends, I had two friends in particular that that got book deals with Wiley. And one of them uh, left the real estate industry a few years later and Wiley republished his book under somebody else's name. It's completely legit. It's gross, but it's legit because he wasn't promoting it anymore and they own it. They own all his stories, all of his content. And a lot of people don't realize that. You put your experience and your expertise and all of your stories into this book and now you don't own those that content. It's not yours anymore. So yeah, I wouldn't go with a publisher now knowing what I know. <laughs> <laughs> crazy because I know this one lady she self-published about her experience of being over in France as an exchange student and stuff but no one like she had to self-publish her first book because no one was interested in it and now and then she picked up a publisher for her next three books so that's really interesting I wonder what she would do if she knew what you know <laughs> and, it, and some for some authors going the traditional route works for them they have different goals but if you're an entrepreneur to me, the greatest asset you have as an entrepreneur is your intellectual property. And when you publish a book with a traditional publisher, you're selling that intellectual property to them for a very low fee, right? You're going to make less than a dollar per copy sold for the most part. And then if you want to do that, use that book internationally, you want to, somebody wants to turn it into a TV show, which is what happened to another one of my friends, HGTV, a production company that worked with them, wanted to take his book from Renos to Riches and turn it into a TV show. Wiley wouldn't negotiate. He had to buy his book back from Wiley, which involved buying every single copy that was in circulation, which when you're with a traditional publisher that gets your book into every bookstore, that's a price tag that's quite hefty. Mm. And you're buying it back from the bookstores. So you're not paying like print cost on this. <laughs> you're paying shelf price. Exactly. So it was a price, it was a hefty price tag for him to have to pull it off of every shelf to negotiate in order to make a, a pilot for this TV show, which in the end, HGTV didn't even green light, unfortunately. So it's those kind of things that a lot of people don't realize. And if you're writing a book as marketing for your business, it's your intellectual property. If you have courses or other training or other programs using the same content, you're going to be limited. And, and you want to think about that and read your contracts very carefully, which is why I love self-publishing, because you have full control, you have all the rights. <laughs> so it's kind of the best of all worlds for entrepreneurs. But if you're not building a business around your book or using your book in your business, then sometimes traditional publishing can make more sense. Sorry, I had a really good question and now I lost it. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Do you teach more focus on this is how we market your book? Or do you also focus too on like, this is how you would get your book written or like things like that? Or how do you do that? 
Yeah. So, I mean, we think about marketing from the moment somebody comes to us and we're full service because one of the big challenges in this space is there's some really great writers out there. There's some really great editors. There's some good cover designers and there's some great marketing people. But the problem, and this is why a lot of books struggle, is they've written the book without having marketing in mind. So our marketing team is involved with the writing team, the editing team, the book design team, we work holistically on a book. And so in the beginning, the very first conversation we're having with you is, okay, who's your ideal reader? How are we going to reach them? And why is this book going to matter to them? Like, what's the outcome that's going to be there for them? So we're thinking marketing hook from the minute we start working with a client and, you know, kind of going through to give your listeners some concrete things that they should be thinking about. One is really when you're thinking about your reader, you want to start, you want to know that reader so well that you can tell me, podcasts they're listening to, magazines they're reading, events they're attending, so that you have a marketing plan, right? Like that's what it is. And if you're telling me that your audience is everyone, well, how do you have a marketing plan to reach everyone? I mean, even Coca-Cola with one of the biggest marketing budgets, I assume out there, they're not targeting everyone. So you really have to figure out who your audience is and then know what you're offering, even if it's just slightly different than what they're already getting and why they need that slightly different approach. And that is layered in from the beginning. But then as you go through the whole book, you know, keep going back to that reader and really focus on writing the book for the reader. And a lot of people fall down on this because they've been told, oh my gosh, your story is amazing. You should write a book. And that makes you think, I need to tell my story. But what really, the reader doesn't need to know all the details of your story you got to just tell the part that your reader needs. So just keep telling yourself, this book might be about me, but it's not for me. And really hone in on what the reader needs and what the outcome is at the end. And you don't need to give them, you know, some people write a story like, I woke up that morning and I had Fruit Loops for breakfast. And then, (laughs) no, it's like I, the bank was robbed that day. Like just dive right into what the story is. People don't care what color your socks were. Like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Unless it really had a play in the store in the outcome, but right? I didn't get yeah, it. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's it, you just think about when you call your best friend. What do you say? You don't start off with, "Oh, well, this morning I woke up at six, and then you're like, "Can you believe that this happened?" And you dive <laughs> in, and that's how you should write, and that's how you want to position your book for the reader so that it's not boring, and so that you're creating something that's highly marketable at the end. Also thinking of that too, because it's like. I might tell the same story to two different people, but it's not that it's a completely different story, but I tell it different ways depending on who I'm talking to. Exactly. And that's why knowing your reader is so important because how you're going to angle the message that you're sharing and what details you share of that message change based on who your focus is. So that's one of the big things. And so one of the points of clarification on this is if you can identify kind of all those things I said about the reader, you know, where they're hanging out, what their problems they're trying to solve, that's really going to help you realize that you do know your reader. But if you're telling me my reader's a demographic, so you're saying the they're men between the ages of 50 and 65. I don't think you actually know your reader. So you have to be able to tell me what their problem is, how they've tried to solve it, and how, you know, where they're going right now to solve it, and what kind of the gap is that you're going to fill. And that's what your book needs to do. And again, we're talking nonfiction, obviously. <laughs> Fiction is a different <laughs> ballgame. Yeah. But you can create a story arc around that and still have it be a story, but you're delivering on that outcome that you have for your reader. So if I came to you and was like, hey, I want to write a book. And you're like, sweet, about what? I'm like, I haven't quite, I'm not quite sure yet. 
So would you help guide me through that process? Or is it better if I come to me like, hey, I want to write a book about this to these people, to this type of person? Yeah, I mean, so potentially we would still work with you depending on a few things. So the next questions I would ask are, you know, who you want to help with this, what your business goals are for the book, because that will help angle it. If you don't have anybody in mind that you want to help and you don't have business goals, then you'd be wasting a lot of money working with us because you're just not clear enough. But if you came to us and said, look, like I'm a speaker and, uh, you know, this is my business and I have a few topics that I'm regularly asked to talk on, that would be a great starting point. And then my next questions would be, okay, what are you hoping this book does for you? You know, are you hoping this elevates your speaking fees? Do you want to sell a course based on this? You know, are you selling a product or a service at the end of the day? Because books are really incredible marketing. And I don't want people to take that and create a fluffy book because we've all read those books that felt like a really long sales letter and you never get that time back. But, you know, I want you to create a concrete book, but for you, you the part that you have to think about is if you do want it to lead to higher paid speaking engagements or to sell your product or service, what are you going to be offering in that book that's going to showcase you in a really great way to position you to be able to charge more or sell that product or sell that service? And usually that's going back to that reader and that outcome and not holding back, right? Delivering massive value in those pages to do it. So I'd want to figure out if that you, if you have the capability and the expertise and the depth to do that. And if you do, then I have, we have people on our team called story experts, and they'll work with you to kind of extract what the ultimate hook of the book is and, you know, what the structure is going to be. But I have to make sure that you have the content depth first and the goals that align with that in order to go down that road. Awesome. I like your your team members' positions, <laughs> their names. I, so what do you do? Oh, I'm a story expert. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, you need it because I believe that's one of the things, a lot of people write nonfiction books to deliver information, but, you know, and we all have those books that sit on our desk that we feel like we have to read because we want that information. But I want nonfiction books to be something people want to read and then they want to tell their friends to read. And that's where the story expert comes in because they're taking, we, we just had a book come out for leading software engineers. So how do you manage software engineers? And, you know, try and take that subject and make it. <laughs> but you can, right? You can create that story arc and deliver it in the most engaging way possible. So it becomes a book people want to read. So yeah, the story expert, most of our story experts have a foundation in Hollywood. So they're used to working on scripts. They're used to developing, you know, really engaging content. And then they apply that skill set to nonfiction. So who's your ideal client? Yeah, I mean, it, we kind of hit it with, with you know, when, when you come to me with a book, but it's people that want to use the book in their business to grow their brand. You know, they have expertise or experience or stories to share, and they want to have an impact with those. And, and it's an impact on others, but also an impact on their own business. And they, you know, books are great marketing. People don't throw them out. They last for a long time. You can make a couple bucks on your book, so mm -hmm. you can actually monetize your marketing. So they're phenomenal. And people that want to do that are ideal folks that we love working with. How do you get in front of them? Primarily YouTube and referrals have been the main way. I mean, referrals are kind of the lifeblood. <laughs> you know, our whole motto is when we, our marketing team puts your book out there. So we're, you know, getting people live events and bookstore appearances and podcasts and media. And our thing is, if we create success for our clients are going to be sending more people to us. And that's been working beautifully. So referrals have been absolutely glorious for us. But YouTube has been from the beginning where we connect with a lot of really phenomenal people and where a lot of people find us and ultimately end up working with us. 
That's fun. So what are some goals that you guys have in your business? We want to be the first choice in publishing. We don't want to be the alternative to traditional. So we're really, we want people to write amazing books that people want to read, that get wide distribution everywhere, that they own all the rights and they're keeping all the royalties and they have full control over. So uh, everything we do is to kind of angle towards that, which is, you know, we kind of look at it as our Super Bowl, right? <laughs> we're not going to get there this year, but every year we're building the team, we're training hard, we're practicing and executing. So that is our Super Bowl. Do you feel you have any roadblocks in your way? There's always roadblocks. COVID for one. I mean, goodness. <laughs> yeah. who, who can public speak now, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. But I mean, every time there's a roadblock, it's really an opportunity because a roadblock is just simply a redirection or a pause where you look at something and go, okay, how can we do this differently? How can we do this better? Is there another way to approach this? So that's, I mean, for me, if there is one roadblock as a business owner, it's running a remote company with employees in 12 different states and dealing with state compliance and state taxes and state, like, that piece is a roadblock mm -hmm. that I don't enjoy. <laughs> but the normal business roadblocks uh, that come up for the most part are all opportunities for us to grow and expand and learn and just be better. So I welcome most of them. It's, you know, anytime insurance, government, or <laughs> taxes are involved, <laughs> then I don't welcome those roadblocks. <laughs> right. <laughs> What's the best advice that you've ever received? My grandma, my good old grandma broad, she's passed now, but she would always tell me that it's, if I'm having a bad day, it's my own fault. And, you know, that is kind of how I've carried my entire life. That doesn't mean I don't have bad days, but I know that it's under my control, even though sometimes it feels like things are out of your control and things happen to you. You always have a choice in how you react to them. It's interesting how that one's easier to give than it is to take, hey? <laughs> it's like it's way easier to tell my kids to like what like you have control over how you're going to react to that but then when they make you angry you're like ah <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, but it's always, I kind of look at it as, as everything is an opportunity to improve. And I like to go, oh, wow, I reacted badly to that. And I think I can improve. And, you know, I have those conversations with my son, too. It's like, well, I think I could have done better. Do you think I could have done better? And he'll be like, yep. <laughs> and same thing. With you. <laughs> you think you could have done better? And he's like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the best advice you've ever given? I mean, for me, I think the missing piece is always action. A lot of people kind of the analogy I've heard other people say is they wait for all the lights to be green, but they never are. So they never leave their driveway. And, mm. you know, for me, I just think just keep taking action. As long as you've got even an inkling of what your next step is, the only way you're ever going to get where you want to go is just to keep taking steps forward. So, and that's how you learn and that's how you're going to create momentum and success in the long run. So yeah, the missing piece is always action. So true. I have this like, image now in my mind of like red lights and green lights. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to share that I haven't asked you yet? I mean, when it comes to a book, a lot of people have kind of monsters. So the one thing I would love to share is, and I call them your monsters in your closet. And if you put your reader at the center, so you really focus on what the reader will get from your book, what the outcome is for them, and you don't worry about you being a bestseller, you don't worry about, you know, 
all the things like the media, the speaking engagements, the money, you don't think about those things as much as you focus on the reader. And when you do that, you keep your ego and those monsters in your closet from dominating this process. Where people fall down is when they think about, okay, I'm going to be a bestseller. And then they're worried about what other people think. And then they let other people drive the title decision and the cover decision when all they really need to think about is what is the reader? What's going to stand out to the reader? What's going to matter to the reader? And it helps minimize the fear of success, the fear of failure, and then the two big ones for almost every author is that imposter syndrome, like who am I to write this book, and that fear of judgment. If you focus on that reader and what they need and what's going to happen to them if they don't get this book, then you are much more likely to finish the book, have an impact, and ultimately make money and do all those things you want to have happen. But if you focus on the reader first, they're more likely to happen. I like that. Because it's like, you don't, like keep them in mind the whole way through and don't keep changing them as you write your story, because that would be confusing. Exactly. And some people do that. And some that's some people's process. But we have writing coaches and writers and their goal is to kind of keep you on the same road. Because a lot of people start writing one book and then halfway through it ends up a different book. (laughs) 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 Which is an inefficient way to write a mediocre book. (laughs) (laughs) So do you help them with marketing plans as well, like share or start promoting at this time or kind of that type of idea too? Yeah, absolutely. And like we have a launch strategy menu. So we have four different kinds of launches and people can see this on booklaunchers.tv. So they can like, if you want to dive deep into this, but we have a different strategy. And so depending on which strategy you're going for, if you're going for like a big launch and you're going for like one of the USA Today bestseller lists or things like that, then that's a very different strategy than somebody who might be doing a 99 cent ebook on launch and, you know, proceeding that way. So the timing and the advice of everything is different, but no matter what, we start the plans for marketing when you're in editing. So, you know, you start meeting with the book marketing team to to lay out that strategy, to create that plan, to figure out what resources you have, what, you know, the influencers we're going to research so that we've got a plan of attack early on so that when we hit that pre-launch and launch period, that everybody knows what they're doing in order to create the the success around the strategy that we want to achieve. That's fun. It kind of takes the pressure off of, well, I'm self-publishing. I have to know how to do everything. Yeah. And it's, I would say it's not necessarily impossible, but having done it once all alone myself, and then having done it with a team, if you're busy running your business, it's a full-time, like it is a full-time job for you to write a book and oversee it. So add a full-time job on top of what you're doing. If you don't have a team that's overseeing this, because we have 12, 12 to 15 different people that are going to work on one person's book. So that tells you how many skill sets, how much work is involved in creating a book, you know, that's as good or better than a traditionally published book and then marketing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd rather have the team help. <laughs> Me too. I, I, having done it both ways uh, all day long, you know, the, the other book was so much easier and it took, I would say, one-tenth of the time that it took when I oversaw everything. The other thing is when you don't know who to hire next, you waste a lot of time trying to figure out what's your next step. Who do you need next? And then hiring them and vetting them. How do you know what's mm-hmm. a good editor? How do you know what is a good cover person? That takes way more time than a lot of people realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so true. I really appreciate you being on here today with us, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. Any last thoughts? I, th- I think we've covered a, a lot. Like I said, uh, TV is our YouTube and we dive deep into things then. So that's a great place if you've got specific questions to search it out there. Okay. 
Is there anywhere else to find you? If somebody wants a guide to writing a book, you know, creating that hook, they can go to booklaunchers.com forward slash the number seven steps, and that will get them a workbook to kind of create that, you know, that reader avatar that we talked about, but then create that uh, outline for their book and create a writing plan. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Julie. Yeah, thank you. It's my pleasure. Okay, we'll keep in touch. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe and leave some love through a review. And I'll catch you on the next episode.